Welcome, my name is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and we thank you for taking some time to listen to some audio recordings from the pulpit of the Riverview Baptist Church. Our desire is to show the Lord high, holy, and lifted up, as well as try to be a blessing to those through the Word of God. Please enjoy this message, and we pray that it will be a blessing to your life. you wouldn't mind to take your copy of the Word of God and turn with me to the New Testament book of Matthew, the Gospel record of Matthew in chapter number 25. The Gospel record of Matthew in chapter number 25. We are now still at the very beginning of this series of the Millennial Kingdom, the thousand-year reign of Christ. And we're getting a running start in this Millennial Kingdom series by talking about the things leading up to the Millennial Kingdom. That we've already covered that the next event on God's calendar is the rapture. That there are no more signs, wonders, no more wars, rumors of wars. Nothing of that has to come to pass before the coming of Jesus Christ and the clouds and that that can happen at any time and it could happen even before the night is over that that's up to the Lord that no man knoweth the time or the hour but there is nothing left on God's calendar that must be fulfilled and then after that we've displayed that after the rapture comes a period in time called the tribulation and the Bible it is called Jacob's trouble it's called a couple different things throughout the word of God but it is a seven-year period where once again God is dealing with with the Hebrew people for the purpose of bringing them to himself. And we covered and did a survey of that period of time there. We may, may make reference of that tonight as we're heading into it. And what we've been doing now is kind of covering the in-between period between the tribulation and the millennial kingdom. And we've already explained that that Satan himself is going to be dragged and put into the bottomless pit before the thousand year reign of Christ. And he is going to be the prisoner of the millennial kingdom for a thousand years. Then we also covered another event that occurs in the in-between time of the tribulation of the millennial kingdom. Where God judges the Gentile nations of the world for their... Um, those that didn't ever accept Jesus as Savior. Those that wanted to make war against the Hebrew and Jewish people. And that he is going to separate them. And that whereas the tribulation began with no uh, saved people. The millennial kingdom is going to begin with no lost people. And that's going to be important. And we will see that as we progress through this series. That the millennial kingdom will start with no lost people. But what we're covering is two parables. One that we hit on Sunday night. One that we're hitting tonight. That Jesus tells to kind of describe about this event that occurs. And if you don't mind, take your copy of the word of God. And turn with me to the gospel record of Matthew. The gospel record of Matthew in chapter number 25. The gospel record of Matthew chapter 25. And if you don't mind, notice with me in verse number 31. The gospel record of Matthew chapter 25 and in verse number 31 the word of God says this when the son of man shall come in his glory and all the holy angels with him then shall he sit upon the throne of his glory and before him shall be gathered all nations and he shall separate them one from another as a shepherd divideth his sheep from the goats and he shall set the goats on his right hand are sheep on his right hand, but the goats on the left. Then shall the king say unto them on his right hand, 
Come ye blessed of my father. Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For when for I was hungered and ye gave me meat. I was thirsty and ye gave me drink. I was a stranger and ye took me in. Naked ye clothed me. I was sick and ye visited me. I was in prison and you came unto me. Then said the righteous, then shall the righteous answer him, saying, Lord, when saw we thee a hungered and fed thee, or thirsty and gave thee drink? When saw we thee a stranger and took thee in, or naked and clothed thee? Or when saw we thee sick or in prison and came unto thee? Then the king shall answer and say unto them, Verily I say unto you, Inasmuch as ye have done it unto one of the least of these, my brethren, ye have done it unto me. Then shall he say also unto them on the left hand, Depart from me, ye cursed, into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was an hungered, and ye gave me no meat. I was thirsty, and ye gave me no drink. I was a stranger, and ye took me not in. Naked, and ye clothed me not. Sick, and in prison, and ye visited me not. Then shall they also answer him, saying, Lord, when saw we thee unhungered, or a thirst, or a stranger, or naked, or sick, or in prison, and did not minister unto thee? Then shall he answer them, saying, Verily I say unto you, Inasmuch as ye did it not unto the least of these, ye did it not unto me." And these shall go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into life eternal. And if you're in the habit of marking things in your Bible, would you mark a phrase that we find in the book of Matthew chapter 25? Matthew 25 and in verse number 32, notice the phrase at the end of verse number 32, where the shepherd divided his sheep from the goats. The shepherd divided his sheep from the the goats. And with the Lord's help, I'd like to speak to you and preach to you about the parable here of the sheep and the goats. This idea here, the sheep and the goats. And if you don't mind, let's go to the Lord together and let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you again for you being a wonderful God. And as we come to this passage now, this is an important passage and we want to have much discernment, much understanding, because there's a lot of folks that unfortunately have taken these several chapters and they've twisted them and they've misunderstood them, they misinterpreted them, and it's confused many of people. I'm asking that we would see the Bible clearly opened up and plainly taught, plainly see what it is, that your Holy Spirit would give us illumination and that we can understand and apply what is going on here in this passage here. Again, I recognize that I need your help. I need you now to do your own work and that your word would go forth in a mighty way, that your Holy Spirit would give us illumination, give us clarity, that you would teach us all things even now, and that you would let it be sit, make sense, that you would make it simple, that you would make it easily understood. We love you, and in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This parable of the sheep and the goats. Now, in order to get a good understanding of what's going on, we have to take things in its proper context. And so we understand that chapters 24 and chapter 25 of Matthew run together 
And that we have to, whenever you come to a long passage like this, it's always good to go back to the beginning and find where he's at, who he's talking to, and what is the situation that is going on that prompts this response. What is occurring in the context is that Jesus has just walked out of the temple and he has pronounced judgment upon the temple. He's wiped his hands. He's not going to go back into the temple again after this. He's pronounced judgment upon it. And immediately after this, let's read in Matthew 24. And Matthew 24, notice with me in verse number 1. And Jesus went out and departed from the temple. And his disciples came unto him to show him the buildings of the temple. And Jesus said unto them, See ye not all these things? Verily I say unto you, There shall not be left here one stone upon another that shall not be thrown down. So he walks off, his disciples are saying, hey, isn't this a great building? Isn't this amazing? And Jesus says, hey, this is all going to be wiped out. In fact, 40 years from this point, the temple is going to be destroyed and never rebuilt. And Jesus says, you can look and wonder all you want, but this isn't going to last. It's not permanent. You may think it's great, but this temple is going to be wiped away. Now, as he begins to talk about these things, his disciples came with another question in verse number three. And as he sat upon the Mount of Olives, now this is a mountain range to the east of Jerusalem. So you have the temple and then going down in between a valley. After the valley is the Mount uh, Olives. So they went and took a walk to the Mount of Olives. The disciples came unto him privately. So we understand who is he speaking to. He's speaking to the disciples. And they're asking him a question. Tell us, when shall these things be? And what shall be the sign of thy coming And the end of the world. So they said, we want to know more about prophecy. You just said you're going to destroy the temple. And then we understood you you talked about that before. So tell us, what is the end of this? What's going to happen? Tell us what's going to occur. When is it going to happen? What should we be looking for? What should we expect? And so the disciples are asking him a question. And what Jesus does is in Matthew chapter 24, from verses 4 through 26... Jesus begins to speak about the tribulation period. And he begins to describe some of the events that are going to happen during the tribulation. Now remember, as we've already discussed at the very beginning of the series in preparation, that the tribulation period is for the purpose of bringing the Jewish people back to himself. And that through the tribulation, God is primarily dealing with the Hebrew people. Now, if you do not have that in mind, if you do not have that as a belief, then this whole chapter is now going to be skewed and is now going to be misinterpreted. So we have to understand that the tribulation period is for the Hebrew people primarily that God is using the Hebrew people then to reach the world. That we know that according to the scriptures and what's going to happen in the tribulation period is that there's going to be 144,000 Hebrew people who are going to be evangelists and they're going to go throughout the world telling people about Christ. And they're going to be spreading the gospel. They're going to be telling that Jesus is the Messiah. And that is going to be one of the big things that multitudes of people are going to be saved. Then what's going to happen in Matthew chapter 24 and verse number 15, we come to a specific event. Now remember the first half of the tribulation 
it begins, the tribulation begins with the peace agreement that Jesus made with the Hebrew people to rebuild the temple. Now remember, we just got through. The temple is going to be destroyed. It is not going to be rebuilt until the tribulation begins. And so the, the Antichrist makes an agreement with the Hebrew people. They shake on it. That begins the tribulation. Then at the midpoint, halfway through, three and a half years into the tribulation, notice with me in verse number 15, Matthew 24 and verse 15. When ye therefore see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet, stand in the holy place, whoso readeth, let him understand. Then let them which be in Judea flee into the mountains. So what happens is that in the midpoint of the tribulation, the new temple is going to be rebuilt. The Antichrist, the son of perdition, is going to sit upon the throne of the temple and he is going to declare himself to be God. This is such an important point that this term, the abomination of desolation, appears all throughout Scripture, both the Old Testament and the New Testament. This is a major event. What happens when the Jewish people realize that the Antichrist was not their Messiah, but in fact it was Jesus as the Messiah, that the Jewish people, the Hebrew people, are going to turn to God in droves. That they're going to get saved. But what this is going to do, it's going to provoke a persecution from the Antichrist that the Jewish people have never seen. And so because of that, notice verse 16 again. Let them which be in Judea flee into the mountains. And then it describes how quickly shall they leave. Notice with me in verse 7. Let him which is on the housetop come, not come down to take anything out of his house. Neither let him that is in the field return back to take his clothes. And woe unto them that are with child. And to them that give suck in those days. Pray that your flight be not in the winter, neither on the Sabbath day. For, for then shall be great tribulation, such as that was not seen of the beginning of the world to this time, nor shall ever be. And then it continues to go on. But it says this tribulation is going to be so sudden and so quick that the Jewish people say, this isn't our God. Jesus is our Messiah. And the Bible says the Jewish people are going to flee and told them don't even go home to grab anything because the persecution is going to come. If you go back home to go pick up something important, you may be caught. You may be killed. That you need to flee now. And they're going to flee into the mountains. They're going to Flee in, across the Jordan River into an area that we would call Petra, a place with full of mountains. And these evangelists are going to continue to be preached, are uh, going to be continue to preach. The Jewish people are going to get saved. There's going to be Gentiles going to be saved. And what's going to happen according to the Bible? It speaks about this in the book of Revelation as well. That there are going to be Gentile people who help the Jewish people escape. Like an underground railroad. That they are going to be allowing the Jewish people to escape. They're going to give them food. They're going to give them clothes. They're going to give them shelter. They're going to hide them. They're going to help them get from Jerusalem and Judea. And flee into the mountains. And help hide them. Help protect them. Help take care of them. And so they're going to be separated. Uh, and help the Jewish people. Now what happens is in the rest of Matthew chapter 24. Um, 
it begins to mention the second coming of Jesus Christ, that Jesus Christ is going to come back bodily and he's going to bring those things and that that's when Jesus is going to start his kingdom. In Matthew 24, verses 1 through 30, it's covering the judgment of the, the Jewish people. Then in the next chapter, in Matthew chapter 25, which is a continuation of the answer that Jesus is giving to them, in Matthew 25, verses 31 through 47, or 46, we see the judgment of the Gentiles. So the judgment of the Jewish people were, was in the chapter 24. In chapter 25, we see the judgment of the Gentiles. Now, once again, we have to understand what I told you at the beginning. We have to understand the principle that during the tribulation period, God is primarily dealing with the Hebrew people. When you understand that and have that correct, then we get the correct interpretation of Matthew 24, that he is speaking about the Hebrew people and not Christians in Matthew 24. In Matthew 25, as we see the end of days, we now see Jesus Christ has come back. And Jesus Christ is going to judge the Gentiles. Now all that was introduction, if you don't mind. The first point I'd like to hit as we go back to Matthew 25 and examine the text that we read. The first thing I'd like to show you is the time of this judgment. The time of this judgment. We want to make sure that we know exactly when this event takes place. That we don't want to guess and we don't want to just... Uh, close our eyes and pick a timeline and just say here we want to know what does the Bible say when does it say so that way we are clear and we could teach exactly what the Bible says so the first thing that we see here is the time of this judgment notice with me in verse number 31 when the son of man shall come in his glory now we understand this is when Jesus Christ comes as God not as Jesus robed in flesh but he is coming as God and all the angels with him. Now we know that the saints are coming with him too. But the angels are coming down. Jesus Christ is coming back. We see this in Revelation chapter 19. That Jesus Christ comes back. He rides back with him. Bringing his army with him. Then notice this. Then shall he sit upon the throne of his glory. So Jesus Christ is coming back to sit on his throne as king. So this again is telling us when it's going to happen. Verse 32, and before him shall be gathered all nations. So when Jesus Christ comes back, he's bringing his army with him. He is coming back to rule and to reign that all the nations will be brought together to him and he shall separate them one from another as a shepherd divided the sheep from the goats. So what he's going to do is he's going to come through and he's going to discern this person is saved this person is not saved those that shall be saved verse number 33 he shall set the sheep the sheep here refers to someone that belongs to God as a shepherd he's going to set the sheep on his right hand but the goats on the left notice with me in verse number 34 then shall the king now how is Jesus being referred to here he's being referred to as king when is Jesus referred to as king? At the millennial kingdom. That is his kingdom. He's boss. And so we could see that what has happened. This event happens as Jesus Christ comes from the glory of heaven. To set on his throne. And to rule as king. And he is now going to judge the nations 
as the king of the world. So again, we understand the timeline of this. This is going to happen after the tribulation, which the Bible covers in Matthew 24. And it is going to occur at the beginning of the millennial kingdom with him as king, that this is that in-between period. The Bible here delivers this and gives us this idea. In fact, hold your finger here, if you don't mind. Read verse 34, and then we'll bounce somewhere. Then shall this king say unto them on his right hand, Come ye blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. So what happens is that the king separates the sheep from the goats. He comes to the sheep and says, You now come into the kingdom that has been inherited for you. And so the Hebrew people who serve, and the Christians, those who have accepted Christ, those who accepted Christ during the tribulation that has not died, they are now going to enter into the kingdom, the millennial kingdom, in their natural bodies, which we'll cover more later. But he says, now enter the kingdom. Hold your finger here and turn with me to the Old Testament book of Joel. Joel is in the Minor Prophets. So if you find your way to Daniel, it's Daniel, Hosea, Joel. (coughs) The book of Joel gives reference to this event. (coughs) In the book of Joel, chapter number 3. Now, remember, we're turning right back to Matthew 25, so don't lose your place. But Joel, chapter 3, the Bible speaks of this event. And starting in verse 11, Joel 3 and verse 11, assemble yourselves and come all ye heathen and gather yourselves round about thither cause thy mighty ones to come down. O Lord, let the heathen be wakened and come up to the valley of Jehoshaphat. By the way, for those of you who are associating things, the valley of Jehoshaphat is also known as the valley of Armageddon. It's the same valley. So again, doesn't this sound familiar? They're gathering together. Verse 12, let the heathen be wakened and come to the valley of Jehoshaphat, for there will I sit to judge all the heathen round about. Put ye in the sickle, for the harvest is ripe. Come, get you down, for the press is full. The fats overflow, for their wickedness is great. Multitudes, multitudes in the valley of decision. For The day of the Lord is near. Now, whenever you see the reference of the day of the Lord, especially the Old Testament, that is the coming of Jesus Christ to the kingdom. The day of the Lord is near in the valley of decision. The sun and the moon shall be darkened and the stars shall be withdrawn their shining. And the Lord shall roar out of Zion and utter his voice from Jerusalem. And the heavens and the earth shall shake. But the Lord will be the hope of his people and the strength of the children of Israel. Notice that that phrase, the valley of decision. The valley of decision in verse 14. Twice it mentions that. This valley of decision is not for people to decide This is for the Lord to decide. It is the Lord who is deciding in the valley of decision. That all the nations are gathered together. And it is the Christ, the King, the God of the universe. Who is going to make the decision of who is saved and who is not saved. He is going to separate the sheep from the goats. This is that time of that separation where he's judging the nations. He's judging the Gentiles. He is separating them from those who are saved, from those who are not saved. This is the time of the judgment. 
turn back with me to Matthew 25, if you don't mind. And we see not only the, um, the time of the judgment, but we also see the testimony of belief. The testimony of belief. Notice with me, if you don't mind, in verse number 35. <laughs> now, the king is now speaking. He has separated the sheep from the goats. And then he addresses the sheep in verse number 35. For I was hungered, and ye gave me meat. I was thirsty, and ye gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you took me in. And he goes on and explains all of this. And verse 38, <coughs> uh, verse 37, notice what it says. Then shall the righteous... So who is talking to him? He is talking to the righteous and they are talking back. This is the sheep on the right hand. This is the sheep who are saved. Notice the righteous say this. Then shall the righteous answer him saying, Lord, when saw we thee a hungered and fed thee or thirsty and gave thee drink? When saw we a stranger and took thee in or naked or clothed thee? Or when saw we thee sick or in prison or come to thee? Now they ask a valid question. They said, Jesus said, all right, thank you so much for taking care of me, for taking care of me when I was sick, taking care of me when I was hungry, taking care of me when I was in prison, taking care of me when I had need. And they said, when did we do this? I would remember if I took care of Jesus, wouldn't you? If Jesus was there and he was hungry and you gave him some food, wouldn't you remember that? Wouldn't that be a big enough event? And they go, when did this happen? When did this occur? Notice with me, if you don't mind, in verse number uh, 40. And the king, now notice this, how they use the name of God is always important. He is being referenced as the king at this time. Once again, preparing for the millennial kingdom. And the king shall answer and say unto them, Verily I say unto you, Inasmuch in as ye have done it to one of the least, notice this, of these my brethren. When he references my brethren in this passage, he is referencing to the Jewish people. Remember, Jesus Christ was born uh, from in a Jewish family. He was born as a Jew. He was born as a Hebrew. And he says, you took care of my brethren. Now remember the timeline that I set up for you. That the Jewish people set in a peace agreement with the Antichrist to rebuild the temple. At the midpoint, you have the abomination of desolation where the Antichrist sits on the throne and declares himself to be God. The Jewish people right then realize he is not the Messiah, that Jesus was their Messiah, and they flee away. And it is the Christian people who have accepted Christ who are going to help the Jewish people flee. They're going to help them escape. They're going to help them. They're going to hide them. They're going to take care of them during this time. And Jesus, when he comes by and he says, I've separated you out because you took care of the Hebrew people when they were fleeing from the Antichrist. When they were fleeing for their lives, you took care of them. And what you did to the least of them, you did also to me. What we see here is that it wasn't just an idea that they said, well, I'm saved and I'm going to heaven and nothing. But their actions backed up their belief. The book of James speaks about this, that faith without works is dead. That how do you prove that you're saved? Now, it's not how you get saved, but how do you show that you're saved? By your works, by your actions, by what you do. 
And for those people specifically that go through the tribulation, there are going to be people who get saved during the tribulation who are going to help smuggle the Jewish people out. And Jesus is saying, thank you for taking care of my brethren, the Hebrew people. Thank you for taking care of me. You have proved that you were saved. Because at that time, only saved people will be crazy enough to go against the Antichrist and the entire world to help the Hebrew people. I mean, you go back to World War II. Where were the Christians during the time of World War II helping the Jewish people out? We could see that there was a lot of people that may have professed Christ, but not truly saved, that did nothing. That what they did during the the, uh, Holocaust is that they would find out when the Jewish people were going to be on their train cars going past them. And can you imagine a train car full, a box car full of Jewish people? They're put wall to wall and they could... They can't, they can't sit down. They have to stand because it's so squished. And all of them, when they pass by a town saying, help me, help me, help me. Could you imagine how loud that would? Could you imagine how, how powerful that would be? And churches, Lutheran churches, Catholic churches in those days, all throughout Germany, they would find out when the Jewish people would go by. And they would plan their song services for the moment the train goes by. And they would sing as loud as they could so they couldn't hear the cries of the Jewish people. Do you understand? That happened in Germany. Only saved, born-again people will dare defy the world, defy the government, defy the Antichrist, and help the Jewish people during the time of the tribulation. You understand this is a big deal because they are risking their life and many Christians will die during the tribulation for helping the Jewish people as God is protecting and taking care of the Jewish people. This is a big event and this is a big deal. And Jesus thanks them and says, thank you for taking care of me. How did we take care of you? By taking care of my brethren, the Jewish people during this time. You enter into your eternal rest. You enter into this kingdom that has been prepared for you. Then, not only do we see the testimony of belief. But then we see the tragedy of unbelief. The tragedy of unbelief. We start off with the time of this judgment. Then we see the testimony of belief. Then we see the tragedy of unbelief. Notice with me in verse number 41. Then shall he say also unto them on the left hand, Depart from me, ye cursed, into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was a hungered, and ye gave me no meat. I was thirsty, and ye gave me no drink. I was a stranger, and ye took me not in. Naked, and ye clothed me not. Sick, and in prison, ye visited me not. And they shall also answer him, saying, Lord... When saw we unhungered, or a thirst, or a stranger, or naked, or sick, or in prison, and did not minister to thee? Then shall he answer them, saying, Verily I say unto you, Inasmuch as ye did it not to one of the least of these, ye did it not to me. And these shall go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into life eternal. During this time of persecution, there are going to be many people who side with the Antichrist. They're going to side against God. And then God is going to separate them and say, guess what? 
You're done. You're not saved. And how do I know you're not saved? Because your actions did not back it up. They did not prove it. He has separated him to the side. And he says to everlasting punishment that you have. Again, much of the world during the tribulation period will be against the Hebrew people. They will be against God. They will side with the Antichrist. And at the very end of the tribulation, Jesus has to separate those out from those who are saved, those who have believed in Christ, from those who have not believed on Christ. And then all those who have not believed in Christ will enter into hell. They will be cast into hell. Whereas all those that were saved in the tribulation will enter into their to the millennial kingdom with their natural bodies. And these people will live in their natural bodies and be able to have kids. And these kids will populate the millennial kingdom, which we'll cover on Sunday morning. You see, this is a very big event. This is a very big deal here. That this time at the end of it. So it brings up the question, first of all. Do you know for sure that you have accepted Jesus as your Savior? When it comes to the judgment, would it be very clear that Jesus says, You belong on this side. Rather than you go to this side. Are you 100% sure that you know that your sins are forgiven? Second of all. Have you helped to the least of these? We understand the direct application is in the tribulation time. Where people help the Jewish people. You understand that we still have Jewish people today. And the Jewish people, many of them have not accepted Jesus as their Savior. They are still lost. But God has not forgotten them. And they are still God's people. You understand we should go out of our way to be a blessing to the Jewish people, to the Hebrew people. Even if they don't understand. If I find someone that's a Jewish people person, if I can, I'll go shake their hand. And I say, thank you so much for you being God's people. Thank you so much for the promises that he's made to you. They all look shocked and like, what in the world? You know, most of the, of the last 2,000 years, those who called themselves Christians but were not, they mistreated the Jewish people themselves. Even today, there are churches who, on the internet and everything else, they hate the Jewish people. You understand, this is a great, horrible tragedy that occurs. That it doesn't matter if they are saved or not. They are still God's chosen people. And he has not forgotten them. And he has a promise to them. And that as an application, we should do what we can to be a blessing to the Hebrew people whenever possible. And to go out of our way. But a third application and more applicable to us is that we understand that if we are saved, our actions will back it up. That, that it's not an idea that I have fire insurance. It's not an idea that says, woohoo, I'm saved, now I can go do whatever I want. But if you've truly accepted Jesus as your Savior, there should be a change inside of you. And that change will come out in action. Basically, we're asking on a daily basis, do you behave like a Christian or do you behave like the world? Do people, can they tell by the way you behave, by the way you talk, by the way you speak, by the way you act, by the way you dress, by the way you carry yourself, that you are one of God's children? That this should be a practical thing. That even Jesus himself says, to the least of these you have done unto me. Thank you for listening to this audio message. This is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and I encourage you to take this information that you just received and make a specific decision to follow after the Lord. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, let me beg you to take the time 
to receive Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. If you are saved, I encourage you to make a decision in your life to help you get closer with the Lord. If there's anything specific we can do to be a blessing or to pray for you, we encourage you. Look us up on the internet at riverviewbc.com. Once again, that's riverviewbc.com. Or if you would prefer to call us, you can give us a call at area code 920 920- Five three zero six three zero eight. Once again, that number is nine two zero five three zero six three zero eight. If there's anything we can do to be a blessing or an encouragement to you, please let us know. We would love to make ourselves available. Thank you.